listening to the Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for tuning in today. Uh, PayChen.com is the website where you can go to find out more info. You can also find podcasts of the show there. You can also find that in iTunes as well. Um, what happened to 2015, guys? Like, we are into December already. And we are, what is today the 5th? Or 20 days away from Christmas. So, which is... The reason why I feel like the year has gone quickly is because, um, well, I'm self-employed, like I would say many of you out there, but I'm also not the most organized person. So I do the thing where, uh, you know, you're supposed to organize your your receipts, especially when you're self-employed, because there are certain things that you can like write off or you can expense or you need to like prove to your accountant that, yes, you really did need the, the crown and those fillings and you try to get back whatever you can. And I tend to throw them all into one box and go, okay, no, 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 I'm going to organize them. And then I start organizing them in like August. So now I'm realizing that um, we are at the very end of the year and uh, it's actually a pretty nice day out. So hopefully you're enjoying it and you're getting stuff done. Maybe you're already doing a little bit of holiday shopping. Hey, if you haven't, maybe you could pick up a copy of the Globe and Mail. I completely forgot that I wrote this because I had to submit it a few weeks ago. But um, I did write something in the Globe. It's a bit of a, a gift guide for the food lover. And I tried to highlight as many great Canadian uh, companies and uh, producers as possible. So there's some some ideas in there for you. If you're looking for a unique gift for a food lover, there's also some fashion and design gift ideas in there as well. And speaking of buying holiday gifts, which I'm sure is on the minds of many, if you have finished your holiday shopping, text in and tell me about it, 71010. I don't know what you're going to tell me about. You can just rub it in. I'd like to know where you're at with things. And I'm curious to know if you are going out to the malls or if you're doing your shopping online. I like to go to the little um, like market. So I was at the One of a Kind show yesterday. I purposely wanted to go when it was not the weekend because I know it's busy and this is the last weekend for the One of a Kind show. Um, and then earlier this week, I was uh, filling in for Live Eye on breakfast television. So I got to check out this really cute little market at Union Station. It's called, the, well, it's called the Union Station Holiday Market. So that makes sense. And it's in these uh, white tents that are out on Front Street. So it's really, you can't miss it because it's out outside, but it's um, enclosed tents. So don't worry, it's not freezing cold when you're shopping around. And uh, they have really great um, like local artists and designers, photographers. Some great bakeries are there as well. So Chocolatier, um, you can buy cookies, you can buy little cupcakes. So if you happen to pass through Union on your way to work or on your way home, um, you might want to consider popping in there. It's also a free market. So, you know, there's some great ideas for you if you've got uh, gift exchange at work or you've got to bring something to a potluck party or you're entertaining. I'm just letting you know everything I know. And one more little thing I'm going to plug. As I mentioned last week, um, I am part of a group that is privately sponsoring a, a Syrian refugee family of seven. And we got news, actually, that we've been matched and they will be arriving in a few weeks. So we don't have an exact date, but they will be arriving in a couple of weeks, of course, in the dead of winter. And we've had um, an online auction up for uh, two weeks, which closes tomorrow. So this is the best time to start bidding on these great restaurant gift certificates that we have there. We've got Pilates and yoga classes, personal training, um, hair services by Greg May Hair in Yorkville, dessert for a year. And one thing that was really particularly unique that got us some buzz on uh, Huffington Post is an artist named Chip um, Zdarsky. I don't even know if I'm saying that correctly, but he donated 
a new limited edition Star Wars comic. Um, and he approached Marvel about it. They agreed to donate one. There's not very many that exist. One recently sold for $4,000 US. So it is definitely a collector's item and a very rare item. And he's donated one to our auction. So you can bid on this online. Uh, the website is 32, so the number 32auctions.com slash Canada Cares. But you can also create my Twitter or Facebook at PayChen, and I've linked to it several times there. But um, great gift ideas up there as well. So now that I've helped you with all of your holiday shopping, and you'll be set for the rest of the year, um, I also want to let you know that later on I'll tell you how you can win a $500 vacuum from Rowenta just in time for the holidays. I'm feeling really generous. But uh, my first guest here is to uh, is going to tell me whether or not Toronto's actually, and I'm sure a lot of you will will agree with this, uh, a world-class beer city. You can't really live in the GTA or like anywhere else without having heard the term craft beer thrown around. And as someone who is not very um, knowledgeable about beer and craft beer, I've got uh, Steve Hill Himmel. Correct. That's All right. It, yeah. From uh, Henderson Brewing here. So, Steve, you actually have launched a Kickstarter campaign for your brewery. Correct. Okay. So, t but this is what I was trying to figure out. So, it's called Henderson Brewing. Yes. And you've launched a Kickstarter campaign to help you build the facility, but you've already got that going on in the junction area of the city, right? Yeah, this is a project that we started a year ago, and uh, we have a space. We the, the brewery itself is is fully funded and most of the way built. The, uh, the Kickstarter campaign came out of an idea, um, well, the story goes like this, actually. We were at a, a, a conference uh, for small brewers, and there was a particular piece of equipment that caught the eye of my <laughs> brewer, and he just had to have it. And, uh, you know, we had been looking for an opportunity to get the beer drinkers of Toronto involved in uh, our brewery at uh, the ground level, and the Kickstarter campaign seemed like a great opportunity to achieve both. So now we're saving up for this piece of equipment and at the same time um we've opened our uh our brewery in the in the building stage to the, the drinkers of the beer drinkers of toronto now for those of i think a lot of people know what craft beer is but there's some of us like myself who aren't totally familiar i associate it with a smaller brewing company i i think of it as a, a small batch uh producer in some ways but how would you define craft beer well, I think craft beer, you know, craft beer is a phenomenon that really started in Ontario about 30 or so years ago when a handful of small brewers began to uh, brew outside of what would normally be uh, expected. Um, that has changed through the years, and now we find ourselves with uh, over 300 craft breweries in Ontario. Wow. Yeah, it's fantastic. And, you know, craft beer is more like indie music. You know, it used to be at one point that you could only hear one kind of music if you turned on the radio or went out to see a bar in a club. Now, uh, of course, you can see almost every kind of perversion of music possible just by walking down the street, Queen Street being a great example. Craft beer has done the same sort of thing. The uh, styles of beer, the creativity in the industry is almost immeasurable. And with these 300 different brands, you know, everybody is trying to express their... Uh, creativity and brewing abilities in different ways. So craft beer now is is much more than what it started out to be, which was just an alternative. So why is it, or maybe I just haven't paid much attention, you know, up until recently, but I feel like uh, in recent years, that's when the craft brewing trend or popularity really um, 
became more popular or even a bit more mainstream. So is it that it was really difficult to to sell it before and acquire or and find craft beer and now it's easier? Or is it just that uh, the, it's been snowballing and people are like, hey, you know what? I'm going to try that out. I can make some of my own beer. Well, I think it's a little bit of both. You know, um, uh, to your first point, the uh, powers that be have sometimes made it more difficult uh, than not to get these products. And as a result, they've flown under the radar. But something else interesting has happened recently as well. More and more as people have had opportunities to try these beers, they're realizing that, hey, this is something interesting that I should find out um, more about. And so as a result, what we're seeing is now uh, the beer drinker that used to only drink Canadian, let's say, mm -hmm. they've now tried some different things and they say, oh, I want to try more. And now they're actually actively out there looking. And, you know, that starts the snowball rolling. Now, is uh, craft, and I think I know the answer to this, even though I'm, I'm a bit beer dumb, um, is craft beer easy to find in most like beer stores, liquor stores, or is it something that you need to go to the brewery or to like a specialty type of shop to pick up? Well, that's a, that's a, a good question. It's easy to find if you know where to look. But that said, there are so many uh, small brewers like Henderson who will be selling their product right out of their storefront. And the truth is that that beer is going to be fresh. That beer, uh, those locations are going to be able to offer products that are not available in more uh, mainstream outlets like the beer store and the LCBO. So mm -hmm. while you can find them, it's worth searching out your neighborhood brewery and seeing what they have available. Well, I, I mean, I live downtown. I don't live too far from the station. Even just walking around, I know like, you know, Bellwoods, it's a place that I pass. And uh, there's a couple of great breweries within the city where, you know, that's what, that's almost what you do when you pass through there is you, you pick up a bottle or two. Yeah. And it's not just a couple anymore. Just, just within sort of three kilometers of our brewery, there are 12 other breweries um, selling selling their own crafts. And wow, the junction is becoming like a little beer garden. <laughs> yeah, and it's fantastic. I mean, honestly, you can you can sit down on a nice summer day and walk for an hour and pass eight of them. And, you know, you can try a two or three ounce glass and just buy what you like. I think that that's part of what what's driving this uh, renaissance as well. It's the opportunity to just, for a few dollars, mm -hmm. come home with some really interesting different things. You know, I love the idea, and we're going to talk a bit more with Steve. He's going to stick around, Steve Himmel from the Henderson Brewing Company, and uh, we'll talk about uh, the sort of the Kickstarter campaign. And also, I want to know afterwards what is unique about your beer. And I know that you want to celebrate uh, Torontonians too, and Toronto celebrities by doing something interesting, like naming a beer after some Toronto people. And I want to know what that would taste like. Like, I want to know what a Don Cherry beer might taste <laughs> like, you know, versus a Drake beer or something like that. So Steve's going to stick around. You're listening to the Pay Chen Show here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Just a reminder that the website is paychen.com. Where opinions are celebrated. The Pay Chen Show on News Talk 1010. But my opinion matters the most. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. I hope you're having a great Saturday afternoon, enjoying the mildish weather out there. Uh, I have got Steve Himmel here from Henderson Brewing Company, and um, we we're just what we were talking about during the break. I want to talk about on air because I just think it is so interesting. You are uh, you're opening up your brewery in the Junction, so that's expected to be spring of next year. Yeah, spring. We hope for April. Okay, but your beer will be available when? Uh, January week of January 11th. Our first batch will be in bars and restaurants. And we've been throwing around the term craft 
a brewer, but you also use another term. You use small brewer? A small brewer, you know, craft has become, as the larger breweries start to release these, quote, craft brands. Well, that's what confuses me. Yes, it confuses everybody. <laughs> so uh, the terms become a little bit vague. Mm-hmm. And now some breweries are just referring to themselves as small brewers. We're actually referring to ourselves as a neighborhood brewery. Okay. You know, prior to Prohibition, there were 150 breweries in Ontario as well as Molson and Labatt. And all those breweries service their neighborhood. And just like your neighborhood butcher or bakery or fishmonger or whatever, the idea is that those breweries catered to the needs of the neighborhood and they could deliver beer that was better, that was fresher uh, than uh, someone outside that community. And we think of ourselves as a neighborhood brewery. Our doors will be open every single day. We'll always have fresh beer for sale. And it's a it's it's a place to come to try. You can call it craft beer, but we we're thinking of it more as neighborhood beer. Right. Well, which is a great way to uh, to differentiate yourself. And also, you're in the junction, so that's that's the neighborhood that you'll be in. Yeah. Um, why the name Henderson Brewing? Another great question. Well, you know, there's there's two parts to the story. When I first met my two partners, we were we had met at a bar in town called the Monarch. Uh, the Monarch is one of Toronto's oldest uh, watering holes, and we chose to meet there because it was central to all of us. And when we, we were meeting, I was telling them the story of Robert Henderson, who was Toronto's first brewer, opened up his brewery in 1800. And he, though he was unsuccessful, he was the first person <laughs> to sort of throw down the brewing gauntlet here in town. Really? Okay. And uh, we had we liked the idea of continuing a brewing tradition in Toronto. And so we wanted to sort of pick up where he left off. The interesting part of the story is that when when we stood on the corner, uh, on the street corner outside the Monarch saying um, goodnight to each other, my partner pointed to the street sign and we realized that we were standing at the corner of Clinton and Henderson Avenue. And we realized that that must have been some sort of fate. And that's how we took the name Henderson. All right. And I didn't realize this, but... Uh that some of the Toronto streets have been renamed. So like what we know now as Sherburne used to be called Caroline? Well, yeah, that's exactly right. The uh, the Duchess was Richmond and all the, the streets had different names at that time. They were renamed. It's almost too bad because Duchess is a, it'd be great to say yeah. I live on Duchess. <laughs> I suppose. Although if it was the other <laughs> way around, they'd say it was great to live on Richmond. Yes, that's true. Um, the, the another thing that you're you will be doing, and I guess this is why it's uh, great to have a small brewing company, is that you can and you will be creating beers of the month. You'll be, you'll be changing things up. So whereas, you know, growing up in, in my teens, like the beer was the beer. It was always the same. And whether you bought it this year or you bought it next year, it was the same beer. Your, you know, your Labatt, your Molson's, your whatever it was. Um, but the I think the draw of craft brews for people is that they can be seasonal, they can um, be tweaked a little bit, they can, you know, just, you could do something just because something historic happened that month and you want to celebrate it. So are you a bit of a history buff? Yes, I'm definitely a history buff. (laughs) And more than that, I'm a Toronto buff, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, to your point, when you go to a great restaurant, you go because you like the chef and you probably have two or three things on the menu that you like. But invariably, I expect that most people also ask anything on special. Do you have, do you have any specials What's tonight? What's new? Yeah. What's new? And the truth is that the small brewers, the neighborhood brewers, they're nimble enough to really take advantage of that. And we'll be doing the same thing. So while we stay focused on doing our, pardon the term, regular beer, we will take the opportunity each month to create a new recipe. Um, 
you know, for our own benefit to, mm-hmm. to, to continue learning how to brew, but also to make something exciting for the people who support our, our brand. So what kind of ingredients might you play around with that you start experimenting with to, to change up the flavor? Well, that's the magic of beer, actually. It's an alchemy that really exists with only four ingredients. And 99% of the beers that you drink only have those four ingredients. In fact, many brewers frown on additional ingredients. So, so no pumpkin spice beer. Well, hang on. That said, <laughs> we will try to work with those four ingredients. But where you need something else, whether it's pumpkin or beets or chocolate or raspberries, you know, mm-hmm. you can find ways to use that and it's still being um, beer. Okay. So now tell me about this um, line that you'll be doing for Halloween, is it? Well, so each month we're creating a special beer on the Ides of the month. It's okay. called the Ides series. And each beer will be inspired by a story about Toronto. We're going to look at uh, history and uh, locations and events and famous people and try to create a story, try to find a story that will inspire our brewer um, to create something fantastic. And uh, each of those beers, um, as I said, will be tied to a story about Toronto. And our October, the Ides of October, Mm -hmm. will always be a Toronto ghost story. Where did you find these stories? Well, this particular story that I'm going to tell you about was given to me by a friend named Matt Hawkins, who I have to do a shout out to. But the truth is that uh, I spend a lot of time probing the the (laughs) any sort of Toronto history that I can find. Um, Blog.to is great, but I also Mm -hmm. spend some time in the archives. You know, it's amazing when you tap a vein how many fantastic stories you can find. And uh, we've got 20 or 30, but of course, we expect that as time goes on, we're going to have our, our drinkers will come in uh, to Henderson and, and tell us stories that they'd like to see made into a beer. You know, the truth is that it, it can be a, a neighborhood story about some neighborhood character who deserves to have a beer named after yeah. him. In fact, one of the things we are planning is a beer, is a collaboration with the guys who run Sweet Pete's, which is a bike store around the corner from us. And mm-hmm. we think that's just a way for us to work with people in the neighborhood. Well, how are you collaborating? Like a bike-flavored beer or what is Yeah, this? bike-flavored beer. <laughs> no, I think that... Delivery by bike, I hope. <laughs> so what we really want to do is uh, we're right on the west rail path, which is a bike mm-hmm. path that runs north-south and eventually is going to get all the way down to the water. And we're very bike-friendly. We have a, a, a giant parking lot with lots of bike spots. So it made sense for us to find a bike store in the neighborhood that we could kind of collaborate with. And the idea is that each once a year during uh, National Bike Month, we're going to do a collaboration with them where we feature one of their employees who oh, will help us great. pick a beer style that they like. Mm-hmm. We'll work on the beer together. Some of the money will go towards supporting um, Canadian Bike Week. Mm-hmm. And it's just a great opportunity to do something for the neighborhood. So we've got a minute left, and I, I had touched upon it just before the break, mentioning that you will be doing some beers named after Toronto celebrities. So I love that idea. Can you just give me a, <laughs> an example of one Toronto celebrity? Well, you know, Drake is very hot right now, and we do yes. ha- we did have a Drake beer in the works. He um, he has a favorite ice cream at a local ice cream parlor around the corner from me that they've named after him, and we were going to sort of make a beer version. Oh. But I think we've, we're going to pass on that because Drake is too cream? hot to touch. It's a peanut butter chocolate mm-hmm. okay. ice cream. So you thought about it, but you're not going to do Drake. He's too hot. So, too hot. Okay. Yes. Let me tell you a very short story about okay. Bob Ray. All right. So Bob Ray, when he was uh, in his 20s, he was the president of the U of T um, something or other, I can't remember. And he had to put on an event and he elected to bring Frank Zappa to town and the mothers to to run this happening. Anyway, they played a convocation hall. There's a giant organ in there and Frank Zappa thought it would be a wonderful idea to fill that organ with shaving cream. Um, and at the end of the show, 
they would play the organ and the shaving cream would froth oh out and filled Convocation Hall <laughs> with shaving cream. And of course, Bob Ray got tapped to, to clean that mess up. And I think it's something that he wrote about in his book and has carried with him from that time. So we have, we have a beer that's called uh, Bob and Frank's Not Your Mother's Double Cream Ale. I and love it. We're looking forward to brewing that one. And that will be in the new year. That'll be in the new year. Okay. Well, if people want to find out more, where can they go? Well, they can go to hendersonbrewing.com or they can check out our Kickstarter campaign at Kickstarter Henderson Brewing. All right. Looking forward to all of those great, especially those ghost story ones. Mm. I'm curious about that. And you know, might want to rethink that Drake beer. It sounds good. <laughs> sounds a bit like dessert. Thanks so much, Steve. Really appreciate it. Cheers, Pay. Coming up after the break, we'll tell you how uh, you can take one of your favorite hot drinks and incorporate that into your holiday entertaining. Also, I'll tell you how you could enter for a chance to win a $500 Rowenta vacuum. Taking a quick break here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. <laughs> More with Pei Chen on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for tuning in this Saturday afternoon. Uh, feel free to text in 71010. The show is live every Saturday from 3 to 4 p.m. Let me know how you're spending this Saturday. I think a lot of people are in their holiday shopping modes. Uh, someone texted in and said that they did all of their shop. They're 95% done, which is impressive, and done all at local shops, which uh, I always love to hear as well. Uh I have been mentioning that there is a way for you to win a brand new $500 Rowenta Silent Force Extreme Vacuum. So basically, I want to help make your holidays suck, but in a good way, with a great vacuum, one of the quietest on the market, and uh, to help you keep your like, dirt and allergens away. When you think about like all the stuff we kind of track in, uh, you know, on our boots and our shoes, and we spend a lot of time indoors without opening the windows. So uh, for your chance to win, you just have to get onto my website. It's paychen.com. P-A-Y-C-H-E-N.com and just click on blogs. So there you will find the information for the contest. So a good luck and it's a perfect timing if you want this for yourself or maybe you want to give it as a gift because we will have it, uh, we'll close the contest before the holidays. So with the weather getting a little bit colder, you might find yourself wanting, you know, more hot drinks, something to warm you up when it's chilly outside. If you're already a tea drinker, then you know it's a year-round drink. But with different blends and brews out there, there are great ways to incorporate it into your holiday entertaining as well. And if you are a tea drinker, then you want to know maybe what the new flavors are for the new year, what some of the trends are. So Lana Sutherland is on the line. Hi, Lana. Hi. Hi, Peyton. Hi. How are you? I'm doing great. So Lana, you're the CEO of Tea Leaves, and it's a Canadian company that's founded based in Vancouver and I didn't you know I didn't realize that you'd been around for over 20 years <laughs> I try and forget that myself otherwise <laughs> it dates me so but yes yes we, we have been around for 20 20 over 20 years 21 years now so time goes fast so you've been uh, one of the like the top brands of choice for like a lot of the top hotels yes that's right so for example in Toronto it'd be like Four Seasons Toronto for example Omni oh. King Edward uh, here in Vancouver, Four Seasons Toronto as well as like Fairmont Pacific Rim, just to name a couple of our clients. So now that I feel like um, tea has really uh, sort of turned a corner in the past few years because it used to be that you just had you know, like Orange Pico or English Breakfast. Right. But it's really something that um, in, I mean, I don't know, the past decade, but maybe more so in the past five years where a lot of specialty shops have opened up, that people right. are now becoming more educated about 
tea and experimenting and trying out different flavors. Absolutely. I mean, and that's that's the wonderful thing about it that we see is that so many more people are now open and receptive. And I think, you know, there used to be an older kind of perception that was surrounding tea. Not to say there's anything wrong with it, but mm-hmm. I think it kept people from experimenting. So now there's lots of great flavors, uh, especially during the holiday season. Um, right now, some really great things that people, I think, are experimenting into uh, are things like, you know, cinnamon and cloves mm-hmm. and uh, nutmegs, all those lovely, warming, comforting flavors that come to mind, uh, which are great in chais, uh, for example, like either whether it be an herbal spice chai or monsoon chai. Chais are fantastic at this time of year. They've just got that really, it's like wrapping a blanket around you, so to speak. Yeah, and, I lo- and you're right. It's the warm spices that people associate with holidays, which kind of kicks in, I think, around like Thanksgiving, because then people want yes. the, like, the cinnamon and the nutmeg mm. and those sort of um, spices. One of the things okay. I want to talk about, because you know tea so well, um, is how to properly brew a cup of tea. Because I remember, like, especially yeah. when you work in an office place, you'll see right. someone who like microwaves a cup of water until it's warm and then throws a tea bag in. And then, because sometimes you have purists in the office right. who, you know, are like, no, 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 you've got to boil it. And then, you know, do you pour it when it's boiling? Or, and I know there's, con- there's a little bit of controversy over this as well, which is, right. can you reboil? Because oh. people just reboil the water that's already in the pot. Okay. So please, whoever's listening, <laughs> please don't reboil your water. Really? Okay. Yeah. So it's a lazy you, thing to do because the water's already there and you're absolutely. just like, oh, I'll bring it back up to the temperature it should be. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, every time I go over to my mother's and I make a cup of tea, she's like, oh, yours always tastes so better. And I always go over it with her again. Well, don't, you know, don't <laughs> use, don't reuse the boil, the water that's currently in your, your uh, teapot or tea kettle. And the reason for that is um, the biggest thing that's going to be pulling out whatever flavor is in your tea is oxygen. And the highest amount of oxygen that you're going to be finding is when the water is actually cold. Oh. Uh, so you always want to start with cold water. You mm-hmm. want to start with filtered water as well because it pulls out any um, that pulls out any heavy minerals. If you're in a part of the country where there's a lot of heavy mineral content, things like greens will really be masked because mm-hmm. they have a lot of subtler flavor because they're unfermented teas. So you really want to be talking cold. Um, fresh filtered water, and the reason, yes, the reason why you don't want to reboil your water is because when you bring your your water up to boiling temperature, you already lose some of that precious oxygen that's going to be pulling out that rich flavor from your tea. And then when you reboil it, you're even losing more oxygen. So when you go and make your cup of tea, it's actually going to taste quite flat. So that can actually oh. make the difference. You know, difference between you know maybe myself and somebody else making you know a cup of tea, it might taste a little different just purely based on the water boiling itself. Right. Um, yeah, and I mean, there's other other things that go obviously into a really nice cup of tea, uh, quality of your tea leaves, the higher the quality, the better the flavor that's going in. And then there's also things like uh, water temperature is very specific for each type of tea. So for black teas, you're really wanting to bring your kettle just to the boil and then pulling it off again because you don't want to lose that oxygen content and then pouring it over your leaves immediately. But then for green teas, you really want to be doing it at a lower temperature, so, so actually just below boil. Okay. So, so your black teas at 100 degrees Celsius, your green teas really more around 83 degrees Celsius, so just before boil. And the reason why you don't want to be using it at that hot black tea temperature is because it'll actually bruise the tea leaves because green tea is unfermented. It's, it's a little softer, more delicate. So you want to make sure that you're capturing those beautiful, soft notes um, that is really true to a great tea green uh, uh, green tea experience. Now, why is it that uh, I love green tea, but maybe that's just, you know, the Asian in me <laughs> that I really like it. I feel <laughs> no, like it was I in my genes. No, but I'm with you there. There's yeah. some sometimes um, I know some people who who want to like it, but don't because they find it really bitter. Uh, and I wonder right. if that is a mistake in how they're making their tea. 
Absolutely. I'm so glad you brought that up because I think green tea is such an under underappreciated tea, really. I think in North America in particular, although we are seeing a little bit more trending towards it, but green tea is, is exactly it. Is What happens is, um, so steeping time is really, really important, especially for something like a green tea. So mm-hmm. green tea really should only be steeping for 30 seconds to a minute. What? Probably really? Maybe only to a minute. <laughs> oh. Most, I'm talking about for loose tea. Okay. Um, because, yeah, when you, when you steep, it, steep it longer, the reason why people taste the bitterness is the tannins which give interest to a tea, you want some of those coming out in the water, but the longer you steep it, the more the tannins come out. And again, because green tea is unfermented, it comes out a lot faster in the green teas, and so you can get bitter really, really quickly. So it's 30 seconds to a minute, probably more like a minute for most green teas, Mm -hmm. um, is a great tea experience. And then you'll get that little bit of interest, but not so much that you're going to go, whoa, making that puckering face like you do when you suck on a lemon. Yeah, so so the green tea actually shouldn't even be that strong. So if you're only brewing it for about a minute, you want to take the leaves. Because I know some people leave their tea bags in the mug or whatever it is as they sip. Right. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You're like, no, that is that is a mistake. <laughs> that is a faux pas for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. No, you got it right. Exactly. OK, so take the take the tea leaves out, because if the longer you leave them in, they'll get a little bit better. So we just have yeah. a little bit of time left, Lana. I would love right. for you to share some of the tea trends coming up for the next year. What like for tea lovers, what might we be able to expect? Oh, sure. Um, so something, I guess, in Canada, we tend to drink a lot more of the black teas, for example. I think historically that's just been the ones that we've gravitated towards or from, you know, English or mm-hmm. British kind of influence. Uh, however, something that we've already seen trending uh, for the last couple of years, and I think we'll definitely see more coming into 2016, is more of just what we were talking about, the greens, and, and also herbals as well. And some of that, I think, is just due to experimentation, which is fantastic. Some of it could be uh, people looking to, you know, have a little less of the um, caffeine levels in their system. And others from a health point of view, we're starting to see a lot more people um, who have pop, uh, tends to be their go-to drink, mm-hmm. now starting to switch to things like iced teas, which is fantastic. Oh, yeah. So it's got the great uh, health benefits associated with because, I mean, that's the other great thing about green teas. They've got rich in antioxidants, so a lot of those great health benefits, and people, I think, are starting to take a little bit better care of themselves or at least being a lot more cognizant of it. So mm-hmm. uh, green teas is just such a great alternative there. Um, yeah, and flavors, uh, pomegranate is still uh, pretty strong, I think, again, because the the antioxidants. It's just such an interesting and different flavor as well. Yeah. So I would say those are uh, the majority of the kind of um, uh, changes that you see coming up in the 2016. Well, it's great to know what's coming up and, and what we have to look forward to, especially for people who like to experiment a little bit and right. just try different. Fl- it's the same with food. You don't always want to have the same thing, right? So it, exactly. it's nice to it's nice to have like a, a variety, you know, variety yeah. is a spice of life. Well, thank you so much, Lana. You've been really helpful. So tealeaves.com is the website. And uh, your teas are, you know, it's great because, you know, the top hotels have been, you know, serving them. And now people can have them at home as well. That's right. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Lana. Have a great weekend. Thank you. You too. Happy holidays. You too. Thank you. That's Lana Sutherland from Tea Leaves. Now, after the break, how much do you know about the country you're vacationing to now that we're getting into, uh, you know, winter and winter holidays and people heading out of Canada to get somewhere a little bit warmer, um, there are really great ways to pay it forward and make a difference when you travel. So after the break, I'll talk with a travel expert about the simple things you can do to make a difference in the place that you're visiting. You're listening to The Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Taking a quick break. We'll be back right after this. On In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. 
You know, there are certain countries that uh, you or people you know probably travel to where we know that a lot of the locals might struggle. So oftentimes, you know, people make the effort to bring down things like maybe some candies for the kids or clothing that they like to leave behind. But it's not the same in all countries. So if you're planning to get away in the next few months, there are some easy ways to pay it forward and make a difference when you travel. On the line, I have Mary Jean Tully. Hi, Mary Jean. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. Now, I know you are, uh, you travel a lot. You are one of the most powerful travel agents in the world, and uh, you often travel in style, and that is with your luxury travel agency, Tully Luxury Travel. So you have, you've seen the world, I guess is safe to say. Well, I, pretty much so, yes. Um, I, I followed my passion, and it's, I think I have the greatest job on the planet. So now when you're traveling, and I think what's great is um, even though you're going and you're, you're visiting all these uh, fantastic parts of the world, uh, what you keep top of mind is a way to pay it forward. Always. I mean, that, that's what's probably meant the most to me um, and why I got so involved in the business. I literally just came home day before yesterday, and I was in Africa. I, I first started out in Morocco then was in South Africa and Botswana, oh. and every place that I was, I made a difference. And it doesn't have to take, be huge amounts of money. Mm-hmm. It can be your time. Um, it can be just a kind word. It can be listening. But even for $64, you could put a child through school in Morocco, a little wow. girl in the, in the mountains, in, mm-hmm. um, a Berber child. You can put her in school, and that gives her a uniform for $64. U.S. Which is like... If you're already traveling, that's nothing to you. You know, that, that is, nothing. you know, pennies. It's not even a meal in, in many cases. Um, I, I like one of your, your first tip, which is to understand the culture and the needs of your destination. I think that's really important because um, for a lot of people, they save up to travel. So maybe they do it, uh, you know, once a year, once every few years. Mm-hmm. And they might go somewhere, especially this time of year when people are planning the winter getaways. And it's um, pretty easy to, you know, pick up some some candies or pick up a few school supplies or some clothes and leave those behind. But what would you rather we be doing or what should we keep in mind? Well, you know, there's a wonderful website um, out called Pack with a Purpose. And Pack with a Purpose is kind of a generic site, but it gives people ideas, you know. But more and more people, everybody goes to schools and they buy crayons and coloring books and papers. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fine, but they get a lot of that. Um, there's also things that, you know, when you say, talk about candy, for instance, um, I'm against, I used to do it. Mm-hmm. I used to go to the dollar store and I'd buy bags of candy and I'd bring it and I would get, love to see the smiles on the kids, but then it's gone. Right. It's gone in two minutes. A lot of these children are, are malnourished and having, you know, a sugar high isn't necessarily a good thing. Some mm-hmm. of them have a lot of health issues. Diabetes is very prominent in, in many countries where they'll ask you not to bring candy. Oh, is that right? I didn't know that. Yes. I mean, to me, what's more important is one of the things that I do that nobody thinks of, baseball caps. We all have tons of baseball yeah. caps around our house and in our closets, and they're easy to pack. A baseball cap can mean the difference of somebody having heat stroke. Oh, wow. Whether you go to the Caribbean, whether you're in Africa, wherever you are. Reading glasses. Yeah. I mean, I have those little cheap reader glasses that I have scattered all throughout my house. Mm-hmm. That makes a difference of somebody being able to make a living for, to support their family. I, I one time, and, and, it, and how I found that out was by mistake. I was, in, I was on a cruise ship. I got off the cruise ship in Mombasa, and all along the side of the ship, they had all these basket makers and, you know, jewelry makers and mm-hmm. hand carvers. And I remember 
there was a, a young girl, and it looked like her mom. And I was just saying, oh, how beautiful it was. And I said to the girl, she was making uh, jewelry. And I said, oh, this is so beautiful. Who taught you how to do this? And she said, my grandma. Mm-hmm. And her grandmother was sitting right there. And I said, oh, I can imagine the work you do. And she says, I can't see anymore. I oh, can't wow. do it to see. Well, it was so funny because I had my readers in my um, purse. And I brought them out and I gave them to the woman. She started to cry. And so that she could see, I, it was like, I, I went back to the ship and it was like, oh my gosh, I got to ask everybody I know if they have any reading glasses on them because <laughs> yeah. it could make this huge difference. And now whenever I travel, I bring reading glasses, I bring baseball caps. But another thing that is really important, mm-hmm. you know, um, I was in Cambodia and in Cambodia, um, going to Angkor Wat, you know, women sometimes can walk for two full days just to get their children to see a doctor and barefoot. And I thought, oh, my goodness, and, you know, you read about shoes, and, you know, all of this Mm -hmm. seems so overwhelming. But I will tell you, to walk away and know that you've helped even one child makes all the difference in the world. So it was funny because I I was going to bring all these shoes, and somebody Mm -hmm. said to me, a man who was a doctor, he said, no, you're going to pay far more money at home doing it. He said, you can get flip-flops for the kids for about 35 cents. Oh, my God. If you buy them there. Wow. So I'm going to everybody, all my friends going, okay, can I have, you know, $10? I can buy X amount of shoes. Can I have mm-hmm. this? And people are like, here's 20 and I get to do it myself. And I took my guide. Mm-hmm. He said, I can't have you, you know, I'm blonde. Go <laughs> and go and buy these things. You're going to buy more. Let me go and do it. So not only are you helping them right there by purchasing something from there, but you get to see these kids putting shoes on. You, you get to see it yourself. Yeah. You get to see that instant gratification of knowing that you've made a difference. And... So many people, I can't tell you when they travel, they'll sit there and go, oh my gosh, if I only would have known. Yeah. You know, or, oh, I wish I would have thought of this. Absolutely, and, because there's, in many cases, you're spending some money anyway. So whether you're buying candy, which is not the greatest, you're not making a huge difference in someone's life by no. giving them candy, or you're paying a few dollars to, you know, like you said, you know, pick up some readers or uh, ball caps. It's just putting your money into something that's a bit more useful. Absolutely. And it's, it's even, you know, I mean, there's some, there's some places, even in the Caribbean, or even if you're going down to Florida, like, for mm-hmm. instance, Florida, we have a lot of the Canadian snowbirds. Yes. You know, that go down to Florida. Well, Florida has a wonderful thing. If you were to hashtag or anything, hashtag called Giving Tuesday. And what it is, it's like a grassroots effort. They started it in Tampa, Florida. They do it all throughout central Florida. Um, it's on every Tuesday. They have a thing where you can go and you can, you can give and do and get involved in all kinds of different things. And so... I don't care if it's Florida. I don't care if it's somewhere in the the Caribbean. You know, we, you could be in Jamaica. You could mm-hmm. be in St. Thomas. You know, a lot of these countries, too, that have been damaged, that have had problems with hurricanes. People, where they live and how they live, you look at it, you're just overwhelmed by it. Now, uh, Mary Jean, how do you feel about giving money to children who are begging? Because I've gone on group trips, like press trips, because I do some yeah. travel writing. And I actually had a debate with one of the other people because there were some kids begging and I gave them some money. And he was really adamant that that's not something he likes to do. You know, it, it's funny. I have, um, you know, I Instagram a lot. And my whole Instagram thing is kind of like giving back and about, you know, animals. I'm really big into mm-hmm. conservation with wildlife. But I, I even wrote about a thing on it because I agree with you. I've had people say the same thing to me. But you know what? I look at it this way. When I see someone, first of all, that's disabled mm-hmm. badly or, or something, or they just they look like they just have it rough, you know what? Even if I'm wrong, even if I'm wrong, 
once or twice out of five times, the other three, I maybe change their life. Yeah. So for me, you know, it's not as though I'm giving them hundreds of dollars. It's not as though I'm I, I'm doing anything. I mean, right. sometimes, you, I mean, come on. There, there's people that we know that, you know, are our next-door neighbors mm-hmm. that seem like the most reputable, noble people in the world that they're going to rip you off. Right. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, exactly. So I see some child that's, that's undernourished mm-hmm. looking, and even if their parents did send them out to beg, they obviously look like they need a meal. Yes, yeah. You know, so I, I don't think that there is a, a right or wrong. I think that sometimes you can be smart. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of like your gut will tell you on some things. Yes. But I think it's just a matter of, of seeing where you think there, there's a need. And everywhere there's a need. You know, I've had people say to me, well, you know, Mary Jean, why do you care so much about, you know, there's so much going on in our own backyard. Mm-hmm. But you know what? There's a difference between poverty and extreme poverty. Yes. Because and you've seen a lot of in that. Canada yep. can use a bathroom. Mm-hmm. Somebody here in Canada, we can get a glass of water, a clean glass of water. You look at some of these other countries where women have to walk two and four kilometers just to get drinking water. Yeah. You know, people that have no shoes. I mean, it's, you know, it's just different, and it can be overwhelming, you know, if you think about all the things that you can do. So I think if people go in, and I think what a great, great lesson Yes. To, with your children and an example that you can set, I mean, I have friends, wonderful, wonderful friends, giving, loving, wonderful friends, but they don't think about it before they go, they're going to travel. Well, you know what, Mary Jean, you've given such great tips, and I um, thank you so much for your time, because I think, like you said, it's just a little bit of planning, it's a few extra dollars, and that way you don't find yourself in that position when you're there of going, oh, what do I do now? So a couple of great ideas. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it, and I hope everyone gets to pay it forward this holiday season. Thank you. Uh, and you are listening to The Pay Chen Show here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. That's it for the this Saturday, if you want to find the podcast, you can do so online, paychen.com. Also, don't forget that I've got a contest up there. Just click on blogs. Have a great weekend, everyone. And I'll be back next Saturday.